Well, so much for my paper, rock, scissors theory. Kansas City lost to Tennessee. So New England has an easy game on Saturday against Tennessee. And Pittsburgh has a challenging game Sunday against Jacksonville. New England uh, gets the extra day's rest, the easier opponent, and will host the AFC Championship game. That's why you want the top seed. It's nothing more complicated than that. In hockey news, I don't think anyone currently wants Tristan Jari to be the number one goalie anymore. The Penguins held a 3-1 lead in the second period last night, and Jari absolutely blew up. He allowed four goals on seven shots and got pulled for Matt Murray. Jari would have been the GOAT for last night if the Penguins lost, and he's a microcosm for the Penguin season. Good one night and terrible the next. But the superstar saved the day, and so did Matt Murray. Penguin 6, Boston 5 in overtime. Malkin gets the game winner. It might have been the most exciting game of the season so far. This is the Mark Madden Show. I am the game because I am just that damn good. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. Or you could do what the cool kids do and follow me on Twitter at MarkMaddenX. There is no way to not like the Steelers' chances against Jacksonville. The Steelers are a seven and one half point favorite. People are going to fret about Jacksonville's D, and it is good. People are going to worry about Fournette, the rookie, the running back, and he is good. People are going to look at that loss to Jacksonville in Week Five, and yeah, it was disappointing. In fact, downright diabolical. But Jacksonville had to sweat to beat friggin' Buffalo. The matchup at quarterback is Blake Bortles versus Ben Roethlisberger, for heck's sake. And Bortles will not win that matchup twice in a row. Uh, Ben has resurrected himself since those five picks in that loss to Jacksonville. And it really is all about Ben. The Steelers are pretty close to 100% healthy, and that's the best offense in football. All the Steelers are missing is Ryan Shazier, and yeah, I got to say, Shazier out leaves a big hole that Fournette might run right through, but I think Pittsburgh wins and covers. New England is favored by 13.5 against Tennessee. The Patriots are obviously going to win. And then we got what we always knew we were going to get. The only thing that scares me about Jacksonville is that nine-minute drive. It was all they got, but it was all they needed. I think they'll need a bit more than that to beat the Steelers. And then Steelers-Patriots, Steelers versus James Harrison, Belichick, Brady, the evil empire, We all knew it was going to happen, and now Pittsburgh is just one win away and a win by New England away from getting what was always expected. Antonio Braun is back at practice, running rots, looking good. That's great news for the Steelers. It's evidence, a cold hard fact, 
AB is going to be fine for the game against Jacksonville. I had to see it because I don't trust injury reports as dispensed by football teams. But AB looks good, feels good, seems to be no problem. I want to go back to something Lev Bell said last week. Bell said the Steelers have no excuses. That's the best thing a Steeler could have possibly said. It's time to win and no excuses. Own it and then do it. We are in for an interesting couple of weeks. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. That's 412-333-WXDX. I would like to get a lot of hockey talk uh, bubbling today because that Penguins win was wonderful. Probably the most exciting game of the year. Like I said, up 3-1, then down 5-3, and finally you win in overtime. Malkin and Kessel playing that two-man game in OT. It was a big night for the Stars. Gino with two goals and a helper. Sid with three apples. Kessel with a goal and a helper. Latang with a goal. And the fourth line scored again. Shea fired a cream puff past Tuka Rask, who was dreadful in the Boston net. Murray's save on Marchand was big. The penalty shot, tie game, one minute left. What a dramatic scenario. Big save for Murray. Big result for the Penguins. So going into the bye, the Penguins are off all this week. Going into the bye, a lot of good things happened for the Penguins. The Penguins right now are in the playoffs. Last wild card. And the Penguins are right now two points out of last place. We got Phil Bork at 4:30. We'll talk about the crazy playoff picture in the Metro Division in the Eastern Conference. Like I said, nuts, and it's probably going to be nuts right down to the very end. The line combinations right now are very interesting. Sullivan loves to split up the three stars: Malkin, Crosby, and Kessel, and that seemed to be working last night if you look at the stat sheet. But Geno's two goals were set up by Sid and Kessel. Not Hornquist and Haglin, uh, Geno's five-on-five five line mates. The Penguins' power play was two for three and has been making up for a lot of shortcomings uh, all season long, but especially recently. If you divide the stars up, they all got to produce. It's not about Gensel at center or the fourth line scoring. It's about those three guys. The Stars, Geno, Sid, and Phil split up, playing together, whatever. They all got to produce, and we see uh, what's happening lately with them producing. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. We got quite a murderer's row of guests today. Matt Williamson, our football guru at 3.30. That's always very exciting. Phil Bork with great hockey talk. Joining me at 4.30. As I mentioned, I'd like to get a lot of hockey talk in today. For the sake of the hockey talk women, because they gimme, gimme, gimme the hockey talk blues. Uh, I, I got to say, though, looking at the NFL playoffs, if there's one thing I'm thankful for after the wild card round, it is. 
Thank Jeebus. The Buffalo Bills are out of the playoffs because now we don't have to hear about the Bills Mafia. Thanks to the bottom-feeding sports media, people like Footstool Sports, Bills fans have become famous by jumping through tables and screwing in the parking lot and harassing opposing fans. Harvey Weinstein can't behave badly, but it's made Bills fans into heroes. Uh, Maybe it's too odd because I'm too old, but acting like an ass just isn't cool and shouldn't ever be. Uh, But even Bill Cowher isn't an enabler. In tribute to the Bills Mafia, he jumped through a table on CBS yesterday. Wonder what they thought about that in Crafton. That's a good table. Going to put that in the living room. Uh, We could ask Footstool Sports what they think, except they've closed ranks. One of their guys, KFC, uh, Barstool KFC, that's a cute name. You know what those guys don't think about? The guys with talent, there's only two, PFT Commenter and uh, Barstool Big Cat. By using those names, they're allowing Barstool Sports to own their on-air identity and can't take it with them when they go. They should start using their real names as quickly as possible. I I digress. Uh, KFC, whatever that stands for, He got caught having an affair when his wife was eight months pregnant. I would respect his privacy, except Footstool never respects anyone else's. It's like Howard Stern. Howard Stern wants to talk about everybody's divorce but his own. Anyway, the Bills Mafia, glad they're out of sight. There was a a video I saw. uh, Opposing fans were carrying a beer cooler through a crowd of Bills fans, and a, a member of the Bills Mafia elbow-dropped the cooler. I mean, what a horse's ass. You know what would have been great? If the opposing fans would have pulled out a gun and blown the guy's empty head all over the parking lot. Uh, you know, self-defense. Hey, you don't attack somebody's beer in a football parking lot. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. We got Matt Williamson on at 3.30 whole lot of stuff to cover. Uh, I'd like to get hockey calls going because last night, I'm not going to say the win felt like a turning point. It's two wins in a row, three out of four, and that's good. But these Penguins this year provided us with too many false dawns. I prefer to dwell on how exciting the win was and what a, a, a kick, a, 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 a lot of confidence for Matt Murray. He gets benched for the number two guys. Jari playing two in a row. Then Jari gets uh, shot full of holes in the second period. Murray comes in, stops a penalty shot with a minute left in a tie game. And boy, the arena erupted. That was just a a very dramatic moment to witness. I'm Mark Madden, 105.9 X. This is Sidney Crosby of the Pittsburgh Penguins. You're listening to Mark Madden and the best hockey talk on 105.9 The X. Uh, Talk of the devil. Sid said after the game last night, He doesn't think he's going to get invited to play in the All-Star game. You know, that three-on-three mini-tournament. That's silly. Sid's obviously going to get invited. Maybe he doesn't want to be invited. He rarely goes when he is invited, and I don't blame him. Uh, But he's got 43 points in 44 games, 
and he's still the most popular player in all of hockey, so the NHL is going to want him to be there. Uh, Special teams are really carrying the Penguins right now. And they have won three of four, let's realize. In their last six games, the Penguins' PK is a perfect 17 out of 17, and the power play is 7 for 17, which is cashing in at 41%. That'll get you some wins. On the season, the Penguins' power play leads the National uh, National Hockey League, cashing in at over 26%. And uh, you look at the Penguins' stats, they're a 500 team right now, 22 wins, 22 losses, but everybody's like way minus. The power play is really keeping the Penguins in the playoff hunt. A few football notes. Kansas City lost that game to Tennessee, and bad officiating was a real big reason. Uh, Andy Reid might lose his job and get fired as Chiefs coach because of bad officiating, but the officiating has always been real bad. It's just that the saturation of replay has made it obvious. The NFL has got to get rid of all the fat old guys that ref and bring in younger, fitter guys that can keep up. Uh, Just that effort would be a step in the right direction to have better officiating. But now it's like every big moment is wait and see. It has just ruined the emotional immediacy of the game, the emotional immediacy of big plays. Where the Chiefs probably really lost that game, though, is when Travis Kelsey got hurt. The tight end got concussed. It seems like now teams are trying to hit the other team's key guys in the head because if you put them in concussion protocol, they might be done for the day. And as it turned out, Travis Kelsey was. Uh, By the way, the TV ratings for the NFL wildcard games all dropped by double digits. The grip of football on the American public, for whatever reason, is really disappearing. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. Uh, The national championship game for college football is tonight, and and I don't much care because Alabama is going to win after getting a do-over and I hate do-overs. The game is notable, however, because Ric Flair, the 16-time world champ, has jumped on the Georgia football bandwagon uh, under the flimsy excuse that his uh, fiance's daughter uh, runs track at Georgia. Uh, Rick says he's a diehard Michigan fan, but now he did a hype video for Georgia, and it was good. Like I always say about Nate, he is a diehard fan of whoever's winning. Just a despicable frontrunner. So, go dogs! This time. Woo! Uh, Here's another Bucko trade rumor. Although, I don't believe Bucko trade rumors because Neil Huntington is so afraid to make deals unless he is a clear-cut winner in the deal. Unless, of course, he's ordered by the Hillbilly Prince to just dump a salary, and that's going to come to pass with one, two, maybe even three guys on the Pirates. Uh, If not before this offseason's over, 
than uh, before the trade deadline in the coming season. But uh, to update, the New York Yankees did not get Garrett Cole. But now, the Houston Astros want Garrett Cole. The Astros have a couple 20-year-old prospects that could be in the discussion. Kyle Tucker, an outfielder, fifth pick overall in 2015. Forrest Whitley, a pitcher, 17th pick overall in 2016. You get one of those guys, you maybe get Derek Fisher, a fringe outfielder on the big league roster. Hey, why not? Trade Kutch, trade Cole, trade Jay Hay, burn it down. The window's way closed, so F it. Getting back to football. I was semi-surprised. Well, first off, I was only entertained. Actually, I wasn't entertained by any of the wild card games this weekend. How about you? That Bills-Jags game, and that's who the Steelers are playing, by the way. A bunch of Jags are coming to Pittsburgh. That was boring beyond description. And uh, I wasn't shocked when Atlanta killed L.A., LA's a good team, but they're a first-year team with a real young quarterback. Atlanta's defending NFC champion. That wasn't a shock. New Orleans beating Carolina. Uh, I don't think Cam Newton's ever been the same since soiling the bed in that Super Bowl, especially when it comes time for Cam Newton to play a- another big game. Uh, I didn't really enjoy the games this weekend. Oh, oh, here, but here's the hot news from Buffalo. Richie Incognito, uh, trailer park trash. Apparently used racial slurs during the Buffalo-Jacksonville game. Incognito, of course, playing for Buffalo. Here's a question, though, and nobody brings this up. Everybody takes, and I want to be careful here, because I'm not going to say the guy who said Incognito used racial slurs is lying, because Richie Incognito is definitely the kind of guy who would do that. But how would Incognito have used racial slurs when he's got a bunch of African-Americans in his own huddle? What, he's screaming the N-word out there on the field? Is, is he using like kind of a, I don't know what kind of whistle, like you know how dog whistles, only dogs can hear it? Is he using racial slurs said at a tone that only opposing players can hear and the African-Americans in his own huddle ignore it? Because I'm sorry, you drop the N-bomb, an African-American in either huddle, going to be pissed. Going to be pissed. Richie, what up with that? We're going to kill you now. And that's in the bill subtle, like I said. Uh, in in that political vein, uh, I guess Oprah wants to run for president. She made, and only in America could could you make a, a great speech at the Golden Globes, the Golden Globes. And somebody says she should run for president. Yo, Oprah would have zero chance, zero chance. Okay. And again, I go back to what I, I've been saying since a year ago, November. The people who lost still have zero idea why they lost and what they have to do to win again the next time. Okay, Oprah for president. Okay, good idea. Like a nation that elected Trump would ever elect Oprah instead. Okay, you just don't have to convince the people who voted for Hillary that your next candidate's you know, a, a good person to vote for. It's like those people who voted for Trump. And I'm not sure Oprah swings Trump voters away. I'm just not. Why? You know why. I mean, seriously, you know why. Do I have to tell you why? 
412-333-9939. Matt Williamson up next to talk football. 105.9. Abby on the X. Weekday mornings from 6 to 10. I have Mammy bedtime. <laughs> I get up better early, man. I get things done. The most music in the morning. On the X at 105.9. Now, the super genius, Mark Madden. Good day, Mr. Madden. Good day. Hey, Mark. I want a sugar daddy. Double M, love hang. About all at once. The X at 105.9. After an uninspiring weekend to play off football, we look forward with optimism and talk to our football guru, former NFL and college scout, Matt Williamson. Uh, Matt, if Jacksonville wins at Pittsburgh, how would it go? What's the likeliest scenario? What do the Jags have to do? It's a really good pass defense. It's a really good defense. I would think that you would have to envision them taking the ball away two or three times, something along those lines. And we've seen that's a possibility. But certainly Ben and this offense is playing much better overall than when they first met. And then the other thing that worries me a little is the Steelers let up too many big plays. I mean, there's too many miscommunications or just getting beat deep in the secondary that I know Blake Bortles isn't scary and their receivers aren't big-name guys, but they have some speed and he has a big arm that if the Steelers screw it up on the back end, I could see them hitting a couple long touchdowns. If the Steelers beat Jacksonville, which is far more likely, what's the probable scenario there? How would the game go? A lot of Le'Veon Bell, uh, a lot of zone coverage on defense, crowding the box, making life difficult on Fournette, which people might not remember, but he only averaged like 3.6 yards a carry except for that 90-yarder. I mean, it wasn't like the going was easy for him. Um, And force Bortles to throw on third and long, that usually doesn't go well for them. I don't think the Steelers will jump, jump down their throats right away, but I really do think that they'll separate as the game goes on and is you know that Ben's going to still find some favorable matchups. I think Bell will be the guy, kind of like Fournette was last game, that's getting carry after carry and wearing the defense down on the road. Well, I watched that Jacksonville win over Buffalo, and it was a oh. uh, execrable game to watch. But Jacksonville had that nine-minute drive, and sometimes that's all it takes. So when you mentioned the Steelers getting separation, I would suggest the sooner the better, because if the game stays close too long, well, like I said, Sometimes you don't need much besides one long drive. Absolutely. I mean, I think the first quarter will tell us a lot. I mean, if it's the Steelers are up 10 nothing after the first quarter, I think the game's basically over. I mean, if you have to force them to throw, you really have them. And um, vice versa. You know, if it's 3 nothing at the half or, you know, tight, close game, you're playing into their hands and they, they can hang around and get a bounce and very opportunistic on defense and, that's how they won this past week. And it's not pretty, but it's resulted in a lot of victories so far. Uh, what makes that Jacksonville D so good? What are the strongest points we all know about the corners? But break it down a bit, Matt. Yeah, what's funny about there honestly, they're a lot like Seattle has been over this, this last run, where it's a lot of cover three. Um, the, the defense is sort of based similarly in terms of um, let me sum it up real quick. Is And I always use this example. Like when I was at Pitt, we used to play against Miami back when they were the U, and they had first-round picks everywhere. Well, so they didn't get fancy. You know, they, they say, well, our players are better than yours. 
It's we're just going to out execute you. We're not going to throw a lot at you. It's not a lot to decipher. And Jacksonville's the same way, where they have better players than basically every offense they face. Maybe not this week, though. And they don't throw a lot at you. You see a lot of cover three. You see a lot of single high safety. And they blitz a little bit on third down. But they really aren't all that you know, daunting from a mental standpoint. They just have better players than you. What are the key matchups when Pittsburgh has the ball? Uh, I mean, I, A.B. practiced today in full. And, and I think he'll see a lot of Ramsey. And I think you'll see a lot of their corners let me put it this way. If I'm Jacksonville, I'm going to play this one that I fear Bell more than I fear Ben because I trust my secondary. We saw how the first meeting went, which I don't think will happen again. But I think you'll get a lot of one-on-one coverage for Brown, Juju, Bryant. And in most cases, you would think, boy, the Steelers will eat that alive. Where here, I think it's going to be a little more 50-50, and uh, they are real physical group of cover guys kind of like seattle was and if the refs let them play and grab like they did against buffalo that could be problematic but in the end i just think that the steelers are eventually going to break free in that regard you know like you can't cover a b and those guys all day long if your offense isn't staying on the field very long. well you, you said something i was going to bring up i thought the referees really let the uh jacksonville dbs play against buffalo and, yeah. and really give them a lot of respect uh, more often than not this year so can Jalen Ramsey cover Brian effectively one-on-one, and do you think the refs will let the Jacksonville DBs play like they did against Buffalo? Well, I don't know what the refs will do, but I think that's something we should all be watching Steelers' first drive, second drive, because if they do let them get physical, that absolutely favors Jacksonville. I mean, especially Ramsey. Ramsey is a big physical corner, and if he can grab, especially with Antonio, that'll really work to their favor. I think Brown's the best corner or best receiver in the league, but I think Ramsey's the best corner in the league. So that'll be a really fun matchup. And I don't know that he'll travel with Brown. Sometimes he does. Sometimes he just plays the left side because Bouye's so good as well. Uh, and their slot guy, Colvin's a pretty good player. So that'll be fun to watch for sure. Um, can he cover Antonio all day long? No. I mean, he can do as well as anyone can, but it's kind of like when we used to see Rice and Dion every week, you know, every year in the AFC Championship. Those guys get some, but it's going to be a tough sledding. Uh, Bortles is so bad. Uh, that that's. He was I know the quarterback's not everything, Matt, but it's it's the most important guy on each team. And I can't see him beating Pittsburgh again. Can't see him beating Ben again. And I wonder how Bortles got him this far. Quite honestly. Yeah, and for much of the season, he looked like an improved player from last year. Where last year he was. Awful. Last year, he looked like he did this past week, almost the entire season. But he's fallen back into that to some degree. I thought he was absolutely terrible in this past game. I mean, couldn't complete screen passes. and easy. They were trying to, to get him some confidence and some, some easy throws, and he still couldn't complete those. And people were faulting the wind. And, you know, I mean, he's a fair-weather quarterback. I don't want to hear it, though, man. I mean, you're a big, strong-armed guy. That was a really uninspiring performance, to say the least, and I, I can't see it getting much better. We're talking to Matt Williamson. He's brought to you by 84 Lumber. I'm at- Mark, by, by the way, I just want to mention one thing. If you remember in their first game, Bortles only threw the ball 14 times. Right. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, and the best chance is if they could somehow afford to have him only throw it 14 times this game, correct? 
Absolutely. I mean, they hide the quarterback position as much as any team in the league. The, the one thing Bortles did well against Buffalo was he scrambled pretty good, but I thought a lot of that was dumb luck. I seem to recall him uh, fumbling the ball on a snap, picking it up, facing in the right direction, and there was like 10 yards in front of him. Yeah, and he's a pretty good runner. He's a good athlete. Uh, he can break a tackle here and there and wasn't sliding and giving himself up all the time. Uh, it's something to consider, but I think the Steelers go back to playing a lot of zone, have a lot of eyes on the quarterback, You know, try to keep things in front of them. They don't have a dangerous receiver that you want to man up. So, uh, And I'd heard today, too, that the Steelers allow the fewest quarterback rushing yards in the league this year. Well, I think we agree Bortles isn't good, but I think right. Fournette is good, and they can run the ball. And again, I keep getting back to what you said at the top of the segment. The Steelers need to get separation. They need to make it so Jacksonville can't benefit by a long drive. Absolutely. you know, And, and everyone remembers at the end of last game where they just handed it off every time. It was like 15 runs in a row. And, and Fournette <laughs> is really good, isn't he? He is. Uh, he, he's extremely talented. I think as the season goes on, though, he's hitting a little bit of this rookie wall, and he, he always has an ankle that kind of bugs him. But he is a downhill finisher, physical guy with some long speed. I mean, he is a very talented player. Um, I think he's been a little less consistent of late. Um, and the one matchup in this game that I like the most, though, for the Steelers is when Jacksonville has the ball, I think the Steelers' big men have a big advantage. Their line's okay but it's not very athletic. I think Cam, Tuick, all those guys should do really well in the trenches. Uh, Jacksonville killed Pittsburgh back in Week 5. Does that game have any bearing on this one? I think there's a lot of revenge in the in the south side right now. Like I think the Steelers are really anxious to beat these guys and beat them bad, and I'm sure Seven has most of, most of that thought. Um, but no, I don't take a lot away from that game. Uh, the, the Jags still pretty much play like they play. They are pretty predictable. That's No, I mean, uh, I think Pittsburgh wins this game pretty big. Ben threw five picks back in Week 5. You mentioned that. He's mentioned that. How'd that happen? Was Ben that bad? Was Jacksonville's D that good? Was it just a fluke? All of the above? A part of me still can't believe that happened, Matt. I know. And, and all of the above is, is certainly the answer. Um, a couple things of note were... I felt like Jacksonville's game plan in that one, and I think it'll be true again, is they wanted the Steelers to throw. They, they didn't want Ben. They didn't want Bell to kill them. They were going to put extra people into in the box, and they were going to say, "Okay, if you can beat our great corners, best of luck." And I think Ben came to the line of scrimmage, saw his guys in one-on-one coverage. I'm going there, you know, and I'm going to force that issue. I love that. No one can cover Brown and may have underestimated how good that secondary really is and how much ground they can cover. Um, but I also think the biggest thing is Ben's a much better player right now than he was then. I mean, and everyone looks at that like, boy, that was a terrible game by him. But that was a that was a pretty bad two months for him. You know, I, I think he's a much different player overall right now than he was then. It looks like the Steelers are going to be just about 100% healthy, except, uh, of course, for Ryan Shazier. That means a lot right now, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And I will say, though, I don't think Jacksonville's all that banged up, but especially the Steeler offense. I mean, when they're 100% healthy and guys like Juju and Martavis and McDonald have stepped up, they're dangerous, man. I mean, I've said this a couple times, that if I'm the Steelers, the defense in the league that I least want to face right now is Jacksonville. 
But the opposite is absolutely true. If I'm the Jags, the, from a personnel perspective, I'd face any of the offense before the Steelers right now. Let me tell you a scenario I see playing out for the Steelers offensively. Given the personnel on each side of the ball, I can see Ben thinking that his tight end will be in some favorable matchups, and he seems to be uh, growing more and more confident in Vance McDonald, doesn't he? Absolutely. I loved that pickup when they made it. I think they've been looking for a tight end that can really run, and it wouldn't shock me at all, kind of like you said, that uh, they might lean on his direction a little bit. I think he's a better blocker than James. I think that the best Vance McDonald moments have not yet shown up, and they are due coming probably this Sunday, and maybe even on some vertical shots. You know, like I said, you know, if you can get him one-on-one against those linebackers who run well, but I think you can get him downfield in this game. Tennessee's just going to slaughtered by New England, right? I, I was really hoping Kansas City would win to give New England a game. Yeah, I tend to think that way. But I, I, I got to give the Titans credit. I think their defense is coming around pretty nicely right now. They stopped the run. They're physical, well-coached LeBeau, and they play a lot more man coverage now than you know LeBeau traditionally did, which I think can at least to make things a little difficult on New England. But they're well-rested. and I mean, t- Tennessee's been playing must-win games now for about a month, and I think they hit the wall here, yeah. Uh, it's a shame, too, because, you know, we, we've talked about the paper, rock, scissors. Pittsburgh uh, beats Kansas City. Kansas City beats New England. New England beats Pittsburgh. But then again, that's what New England gets and deserves for being the number one seed, right? The easiest path possible. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, they earned it. Did you read that ESPN story on New England, Matt? Uh, you're, you're much more of an insider than me. What was your take on it? Do you think Belichick or Brady could possibly be on the way out of New England? I didn't read it, but I know Seth pretty well from my ESPN days, and I've talked about the article, and um, so many people have actually brought it up to me. And I'm actually sitting in the <laughs> in the uh, uh, parking lot at the at the gym. I'm going to read it on the uh, elliptical in about five minutes. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think it's a lot of egos, and in a little bit, of, it kind of reminds me of the '90s Cowboys teams where. Jimmy Johnson wants wants all the credit, and you know, owner wants all the credit, and there's so much good in it, and so much great things that have happened to these guys that you know they they want to be recognized in some way. I don't know. I mean, I tend to think that it's going to make them all stronger, though. You know, I mean, it's one more thing for them to fight the world against. They always like the, that kind of narrative. Yeah, the only thing in there I thought was a little bit revelatory, assuming it's true is that it appears Brady engineered Garoppolo's trade because he didn't want to have to look over his shoulder. And I think that's really the crux of the problem is, and, and I said this before Garoppolo was traded, that he's potentially a great player. And I think that the, the Belichick very much knew that. I bet Brady knew that and, and, and may have uh, worried about a Favre-like ending to his tenure in, in in New England, you know, where we have this great young kid. I got to give some props to Duquesne men's basketball. The Dukes are 12-4. and four. They are 3-0 and oh in the Atlantic 10. The Dukes have won three in a row and 10 out of 11. Not too bad. I might have to go to a game. Maybe this new coach is onto something. Dan brought up, and I know he's got a lot of good players Coming in next year, too. Uh, staying with basketball, how about LeVar Ball 
ripped Luke Walton, the LA Lakers coach, saying he's lost control of the team. His kid Lonzo immediately said, no, coach hasn't lost control of the team. Uh, mark my words, the dad is going to run the kid right out of the NBA. Or the kid's going to become estranged from the dad for the sake of the kid's career. No team and coach wants to deal with that. Who the frig is LeVar Ball, especially next to Magic Johnson? The No Quarter brought to you by CW Electrical Services. Make the switch at CWElectricalServices.com. I saw the Billie Jean King movie, Battle of the Sexes. It's really, really good. It's about the uh, Billie Jean King-Bobby Riggs tennis match in the 70s. Bobby Riggs was a 55-year-old former Wimbledon and U.S. Open champion who was a big gambler, a con man, a hustler. And he beat Margaret Smith Court. Uh, and then, you know, went on this chauvinistic rant and backed up the big tennis promoter of the time was a former men's player, Jack Kramer. And Jack Kramer was very chauvinistic and said how, you know, he paid women one-eighth the prize money because he said they just weren't as good and could handle the pressure of big matches, although that's not relevant. It's how many tickets you sell, and the women then as now sold just about as many tickets in tennis as the men. But uh, it's a good movie, a bit superficial, but Emma Stone as Billie Jean King, Steve Carroll as Bobby Riggs, Sarah Silverman as Gladys Heldman, who was the co-founder along with Billie Jean King of the Women's Tennis Tour back in the 70s. Uh, they're all brilliant. Sarah Silverman should get more and better roles. She's not a comedian doing acting like too many actors are. She's really good. She is a legit actress. 412-333-9939. Got a bunch of calls. We'll get to them in a minute. Before that, I'm going to tell you what's going to be said, said again, harped upon until the cows come home all week long until Steeler fans are scared to death that the Steelers will lose to the Jags. 105.9 The X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. He is Iron Man. Double M, what's up, buddy? Hi. Hey, Double M, just want to get your point on something. But he had sacks, 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 but he had sacks. The X at 105.9.